KYW Original Podcasts. This is KYW In-Depth. My name is Matt Leon. So for a long time, elective surgical procedures were put on hold as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. So that meant most plastic surgery was on hold. But that option has been back on the table now for a bit. And we were curious, specifically with plastic surgery, was there a demand for it? With everything going on, were people interested in getting elective procedures like this done? How have the logistics around plastic surgery changed in the age of COVID-19? We wanted to find out, so we reached out to Dr. Stephen Davis of Davis Cosmetic Plastic Surgery in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. And we had a fascinating conversation about what he is seeing these days and what's behind what people want done. Really, really interesting. Give a listen. Overall, what have the last four months been like for you? What have you been allowed to do? When were you allowed to be open? Stuff like that. Right. So uh, back in the uh, very uh, middle of March, we were told that, you know, from a, an essential perspective, all non-essential type services needed to be shut down. So I think it started for us around March 16th was the last day that we really did anything from a cosmetic surgery or a um, aesthetic position, let's say. Uh, As a plastic surgeon, I was still on call at the hospitals for any kind of trauma or things like that. But in office type things, we, we were doing Botox and all these facial fillers and plastic surgery type procedures that were elective, they were all put on hold. So basically until May 26th, we had an opportunity to really sit back and say, what kinds of things could we do so that we could make the public really feel comfortable and safe once it was time to reopen again? So we went to work in the office first and we just ripped up the entire office. We ripped up all the floors. We repainted. We put in brand new HVAC type units that have ultraviolet type lights and uh, kind of cleansing the air multiple times an hour. So all these great things. And, and interestingly, Matt, I was a part of this International Plastic Surgery Society. So we, meaning me and all these other plastic surgeons, were literally on a call once a week, and I was talking to people in Italy that was that were just going through, even advanced of us, what they were doing to change and to get things safe. And uh, Greece and, and um, Indonesia, Australia, it was unbelievable. So all over the world, plastic surgeons every week were sitting in their little office, like I was, all by ourselves, just talking about how we could come back stronger, better, and safe for everyone. And that's where we were getting a lot of these ideas about how to like open up again safely. Um, and so that's the first thing we started doing. And once that happened, I think um, we were trying to make sure that our patient base uh, knew that when it was time to reopen, they could feel comfortable and safe. And we did also put together a brand new way of seeing patients they weren't really going to come in and have like a waiting room any longer. We were going to do it in a new way. So we kind of organized that. And since then, it's actually been really, really, really good. That was kind of my next question. You know, during those two months, are you concerned about uh, patient traffic? And what were your thoughts when you're getting ready to reopen? Were you cautiously optimistic? Were you worried that you weren't going to have a lot of patients? Or was it basically, let's just wait and see? Well, I can tell you that from the phone calls that we got over those three months, people were dying to come in. They really were. Because 
a couple of reasons. And it was kind of like uh, this crazy situation where so many people were now working from home and doing all their things via a Zoom call. So there was a perfect opportunity for them to come in and get things done, but we couldn't do it because it was elective. So there was this clamoring to have a lot of... Uh, things done. So I knew that there was this base of patients that still wanted to come in and get things done because especially if you're on a lot of Zoom calls, you kind of see yourself all day long. And after seeing yourself for three months on Zoom calls, you start to pick out things on yourself that you go, you know what, I could fix this. I could probably fix that. This doesn't look so good. So we were starting to like hear this and it was funny because a lot of people call and leave messages or they would call because our people were still answering the phones and they would say, I got to get in there because I saw myself on the Zoom call for a few hours and you know, it looks awful. So we knew that there were going to be patients that wanted to come in, but I honestly didn't think that there was going to be as many patients that really were considering doing things. And I'll tell you, um, one of the most interesting things for me was that patients understand that if you really do things in a safe manner with all this coronavirus stuff going on, there are things that you can do and still make sure that you remain as healthy as possible. And I think the hospitals know that, all the surgery centers, and I think even in an office setting now, I think the patients knowing that we're going through so many like hurdles and hoops to try to make this happen, I think that's really, really uh, what, what started this, I guess, surge of patients that are coming in. The other thing that um, I know is that so many people that I even consulted with and others that I've never met before had plans on going away for the summer, they were going to go to Europe, they were going to go on a trip somewhere, and now that since that's all been shut down, um, they've decided, you know what, I'm going to stay home. I might as well get these procedures done that I was thinking of doing maybe in January or December coming up, but I'm home, I'm doing nothing, I could stay home and work. So literally, we have patients that are getting their operations done, let's say, today, and I would normally say you need a week or two off they don't need a week or two off because they're working from home and they're on a computer call. So as far as I'm concerned, I think it's opened up the opportunities for people to really say that they could do things like this and be very safe at recovering at home. They self-quarantine basically because they're home just working. So it's actually worked out to be very, very helpful. Give me some context. The surgeon, are you seeing the same number of patients now as you were, say, January, February, or a year ago at this time, or is it more? Right. Classically, the summertime is never the busiest time of the year for having breast augmentations, liposuction, facelifts, things like that, because a lot of people are either away on vacation or they're at the beach already. So, interestingly, March, April, and May... The three months that we were closed down are the busiest months because everybody is getting tuned up for the summer months. Since we couldn't do any of those operations then, all of those people that were scheduled, we had to reschedule. And that's what initially was the main surge of surgeries was we needed to reschedule those patients from March, April, and May into these summer months. But on to that's the answer to your question is on top of that, we started to see an influx of patients that actually want to get things done. And again, my personal opinion is it could be because they feel that there could be a second wave 
of shutdown potentially happening sometime in September, or they just feel that once the school season starts, things may not be exactly what they're comfortable with right now. So I think in terms of how busy we are for the summer, this is a, a very busy time of the year in comparison to other summer months. But knowing that we had to make up from that March, April, and May, I can understand where this flood of patients are coming in from. Are you seeing, is it the, the usual breakdown of procedures? Like I don't, and I'm the, you know, 50% Botox, 25% breast augmentation, or is it much more facial than normal if I'm making myself yeah, clear? Yeah, yeah. From a non-surgical perspective, absolutely everything above the mask has become like the number one thing. So patients will come in, they're still wearing a mask, we're wearing all our masks and all our gear, but they're coming in for Botox injections and things that'll be from the mask, let's say, up. So that was the first wave, I would say, of people that were coming in to really get their Botox injections. Because again, that's what you're really seeing if you're walking around or if you're you know, having the mask on. But interestingly enough, what started to also happen was the idea that Patients that wanted to maybe get their lips injected or get things that are covered up by the mask, now they can get it done and they feel comfortable with that because after they have it done, they can close it up and maybe if they have a little swelling there or a little things that were you know nuanced, like new differences, people may not even know for a while until they're ready to take the mask off and like have a different appearance. So it's become very interesting that facelift operations, like literally for the entire face as a surgical procedure, is a popular operation. In the summertime, that's generally not... Uh, the operation that I would say most people will come in for. Uh, school teachers, people that uh, don't like to sit in the sun, people that use the summer as like a time they're like vacation inside the house, those have always been the patients that have gotten facelifts. But now there's so many people that have seen their neck, let's say, on a call, on a Zoom call, they're coming in saying, what can we do to fix the appearance of my neck? Because I see it every day and it just looks loose. So there are surgeries that we could do. Some of them are like minimally invasive type things. But again, it's a perfect opportunity to do it because you could recover. You could actually, you know, kind of can't the Zoom camera in a way so that as you're recovering, people don't even know you did something. So everyone's figuring these things out. But... Uh, you know, breast augmentation has been definitely very, very popular. Um, liposuction and tummy tucks are also because that's something that no one would need to know you did anything about because mostly everyone's just home working that way. Anything going the other way? Anything that maybe wasn't popular but something would, that you would do pretty regularly that now has kind of moved to the bottom of the list of things you're, you're doing? Interesting question, because I'll tell you, one of the ones that I really thought was going to be not as popular was going to be something like laser resurfacings. Because, again, it's the summertime, and I just don't think that people want to have a laser procedure on their face. But, again, I think that falls into the same category of these other things where they're getting it done, they're able to... they're. they're they're home a lot now. So if they needed to take a week off from being in the sun, it's not that big of a deal. 
So even that has become something that's really, really popular. And again, in the summertime would not normally be the thing that I would say most people would be coming in to have done. So there is a real um, range of things going on that is very, very unusual for this time of the year. But you could almost understand it because in a way, I think it's also making them feel better about themselves because they've been locked up you know, self-quarantining for so long, these little things, I think, do help uh, them just feel better overall about themselves. And even from an exercise perspective, I'll give you an example. We have a woman uh, yesterday who's a week out of her surgery, and she had some liposuctioning of her abdomen and love handle region, and she said she feels so much more inclined to really go out now and exercise and walk and uh, she's changing up her diet and this has like been like the incentive that she needed to really turn everything over because in the beginning of this quarantine I think people started to either to go one or the other way they either decided I'm going to use this time to really get healthy or I'm so depressed about everything I'm just going to eat everything that I can find in the cabinets you know and I think some of the patients that saw that really started to see themselves now and go, what else can I do to start making myself feel healthy or feel better? And again, this woman was really very, very um, uh, inspirational to me even to hear how excited she was about like changing things around. And even in this COVID environment, she's thinking about like more positivity. And I think that's really a great thing. And you talked about all the procedures you put in place, all the changes you made before you reopened. Have any of the improvements been something you were like, oh, wow, I we probably should have been doing this for, you know, not just keeping safe, but it has accentuated things. It's made things better overall that uh, it would have been a good move, even not in the middle of a pandemic. Yes. And I'll tell you what that is. These virtual consultations are a complete home run for us. And that's something that we're definitely going to continue with even past when all this coronavirus stuff is over with, hopefully. it's So initially we were doing these um, 100% HIPAA compliant virtual consults and all this telemedicine type things. And I never really understood how uh, beneficial it could be, not only for the patient, but for us. We're trying our best to just comply with all the social distancing. We're keeping people coming through the office at a real minimum. And even for our employees, we are all separated out. The whole environment has changed. So doing these virtual consultations as the initial consult allows me FaceTime, like one-on-one -on -one with the patient. I can actually talk to them and see exactly what's concerning them. And that's the, they don't have to leave their home. They don't have to wait in an office setting. They don't have to do any of that. And it gives me an opportunity to clarify what it is that they're concerned about and explain to them their options for maybe a non-surgical or a surgical um, fix. And once that's been established, then they come into the office for what we would call the preoperative visit. But by that time, their surgical date has already been picked. They know what the cost of things would be. Um, they've already talked to me, so there's no like discrepancy like, well, somebody told me this mm -hmm. and somebody told Like we've cut all of those like middle men or middle women out of the picture. And it's literally I'm talking to them. They're showing me on the, the call what uh, concerns them. 
and we've come up with the plan. They know exactly what everything's going to be. We've already picked a date for the surgery. And when they come in, it's actually more formal for me to, you know, uh, be with them, see the exact thing in person, take photographs. But then from that point, we're going to surgery after that. So the answer to your question is for sure, that's something that I didn't realize the benefit of it, but we're definitely going to hold on to it because I think it's really, really helpful. That's it for this episode of KYW In-Depth. You can listen and subscribe to the podcast on the Radio.com app or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.